I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw US forces. US President Joe Biden has found himself engulfed in a political storm as a catastrophe unfolds in Afghanistan in front of our very eyes. As Afghan nationals are distraught anticipating the return of the dark ages that Afghanistan was shrouded in during the last Taliban rule, Biden is being confronted with the harsh reality of the human suffering that his decision to withdraw US troops from the country has led to. While some are calling it his Saigon moment, dodging accusations of a messy exit from Afghanistan, Biden reiterated once again that he stood by his decision. In his first address from the White House since the Taliban recaptured Afghanistan, he said that the blame for the fall of the country lay on the Afghan government which couldn't eradicate corruption and the military who couldn't stand up to the terrorist fighters without the US backing them. What more can the US do to make a difference he asked. Yet Biden's words have failed to soothe his critics who believe that his actions have not only tarnished America's political integrity but it's also making people question what America's commitment to democracy really means. With criticisms mounting against Biden over this decision, will the Afghan crisis end up defining his legacy? Throughout this week over multiple episodes of the Quint's Daily News podcast, we will try to break down the several aspects of the fall of Afghanistan and the many implications of this humanitarian disaster. In our last episode, we broke down how the Taliban withstood 20 years of a US-led military offensive against them and came back to power once again. And in today's episode, we will look at the implications of the Afghan crisis for Biden. Was there any scope to avoid this political and humanitarian wreck? And will the decision to abandon Afghanistan undermine the US's position internationally? Our guests for today's episode are Dr. Georg Loffelman, visiting research fellow in international security at the University of Warwick. And Seema Sirohi is senior Washington-based journalist who's also a columnist for the Economic Times. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbury. As Kabul fell into Taliban hands, many Afghan nationals who've been residing in India darted to the Afghan embassy to see if there's anything they could do for their families who are still stuck back in Afghanistan. And it's not just Afghan nationals alone, but anybody remotely familiar with the radical Taliban regime of the 90s is concerned about what may happen to women, children, and other minorities as the terrorist outfit once again establishes its rule. And amid fears that the Taliban will go back on its word and commit human rights abuses. US President Joe Biden's words deflecting blame seems to have struck the wrong chord. But I want to remind everyone how we got here and what America's interests are in Afghanistan. We went to Afghanistan almost 20 years ago with clear goals. Get those who attacked us on September 11th, 2001 and make sure al-Qaeda could not use Afghanistan as a base from which to attack us again. We did that. We severely degraded al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We never gave up the hunt for Osama bin Laden and we got him. That was a decade ago. Our mission in Afghanistan was never supposed to be nation building. It was never supposed to be creating a unified, centralized democracy. 
Our only vital national interest in Afghanistan remains today what it has always been, preventing a terrorist attack on American homeland. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. While some people lauded his clear-cut stance, criticisms piled against Biden's defiant stance, with many people calling him the face of quote-unquote chaos and violence that Afghanistan is now facing. Many others drew parallels between the horrific scenes at Kabul airport where people were seen thronging in a desperation to flee the country and those that were seen in the US after the 9-11 attack. Seema Sirohi says that Biden's unduly harsh words reducing Afghans to a gutless people who couldn't stand up to the Taliban is quite gratuitous considering that thousands of Afghan lives have been lost in the war against the Taliban since 2001. She says that the Afghan crisis will definitely be one of the defining images of the legacy that Biden leaves behind. The reaction to his speech yesterday was uh, kind of binary, you know. There were people in the strategic community that welcomed the speech because it was very clear-cut, very hard-nosed and very realistic. But then there was another uh, set of people who thought it was very cruel, especially the part that where he criticized the Afghan leadership and he criticized... uh, the Afghan National Defense uh, Forces, he was unduly harsh. And I thought that was gratuitous. Uh, it, he needn't have gone there because he didn't even acknowledge that uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of Afghans have died in this 20-year war. He was all about American sacrifices and not Afghan sacrifices. Uh, In terms of foreign policy of uh, achievements, yes, this will be one of the defining uh, images of his presidency. Um, But we don't know there's still, you know, three and a half years left uh, of his presidency. Uh, There's a lot he can accomplish. Uh, So uh, it's too early to say, but it will be definitely one of the defining uh, images uh, because what happened at the Kabul airport and what the swift sort of takeover by the Taliban is also indicative of a complete intelligence failure, a US intelligence failure, because why didn't they know that low level Afghan officials were making deals with the Taliban over the last year? That's what's come out now. The Washington Post did an investigation and that's why the walkover was so easy for the Taliban. Although Biden did admit that removing the US troops from Afghan soil was quote-unquote hard and messy, in his speech he also reminded Americans that he inherited a policy that was set in motion by his predecessor Donald Trump, a policy that also required him to remove US forces from Afghanistan by May 2021. 
and in a sense the responsibility of the failure in afghanistan isn't on the biden government alone he was the fourth president to inherit america's longest modern war along with the political strategies of the past governments that put america in a political quagmire beat obama's military surge in afghanistan or trump's peace deal with the taliban that was struck in doha earlier in february 2020 after the terrorist group expressed the eagerness to chart out the quote unquote road map to peace Under the terms of agreement it was decided that the Taliban would not allow Al Qaeda or any other extremist group to operate in the areas under their control and target the US 2 5000 Taliban prisoners would be released in exchange for 1000 Afghan government captives as a quote unquote confidence building measure 3 the US would withdraw much of its forces from Afghanistan 4 there would be a political settlement from an intra afghan dialogue and negotiations between the taliban and an inclusive negotiating team of the islamic republic of afghanistan and 5 a permanent and comprehensive ceasefire although zalmay khalil zad the afghan american diplomat who can be said to be the architect of this deal appear to be quite confident about these negotiations the shocking speed at which the taliban took over afghanistan and the fact that president karzai fled the country to quote unquote avoid further bloodshed has shaken that confidence dr georg loffelman says that what is happening in afghanistan is certainly an incredible blow to the american prestige but it's also important to understand that more than the withdrawal of the forces biden is receiving censure over the unplanned exit that plunged the country into chaos Well, I mean, obviously, the you know the the images that we see out of Afghanistan now, with you know Afghan people desperately trying um, to to escape the Taliban, uh, to hang on from C seventeen cargo planes, some of them you know falling to their deaths, like really gruesome images, and of course the obvious comparisons that are being drawn with the fall of Saigon in nineteen seventy five. um this is an incredible blow to american prestige i think there is no question about that and the images that we are seeing right now is exactly the kind of images that the um biden administration wanted to avoid at all cost exactly for those um comparisons with vietnam right and that that shame of that defeat and that trauma of of vietnam that um left um you know a mark that has never completely disappeared if you will on US foreign and security policy and reputation of the United States. I think the Biden administration is not solely responsible for 20 years of failure in Afghanistan, but the utter unpreparedness, the disaster of the military evacuation uh, operations that we are seeing now, the abandonment of thousands and thousands of Afghans that have worked with international organizations, aid organizations other western countries such as Germany, this is a failure of the Biden administration. This is also a failure of my home country Germany for example, which was completely taken by surprise and had mustered a completely inadequate response um to help and evacuate those um uh, those afghans that were that were supporting uh, germany and other nations and this is a political disaster of massive proportions that i really think deals a severe blow to the political legitimacy of the west um as as a whole as a political as a political you know project if you will that always touts the uh superiority of its universal values of freedom uh and democracy and is now very visibly almost unable to help those that trusted it the most and these promises the most so 
Such was the scale of the disaster triggered by the unplanned move that after the US took back its soldier from Afghanistan, it had to deploy 3,000 troops again to ensure safe evacuation of people as the Taliban took control of Kabul. Several Western countries are still scrambling to get their nationals and embassy officials out of the country. In the past few days, US officials said that they have managed to evacuate a few thousand people and will continue to evacuate more people in the coming days. But there's also the question of what will happen to the thousands of Afghan nationals who risked their lives to work for the US and are now left in the lurch. According to a report on the Washington Post, there are at least 80,000 applicants for special visa immigrants. And Biden is likely to face the responsibility of that question. But looking back at the Obama years when Biden was vice president and also Biden's past stance, it's not really a surprise that he has decided to wind down and pack up U.S. deployment from Afghanistan. Ms. Sirohi says that Biden has always shown his disapproval for deployment of U.S. troops in what he considered unnecessary wars. See, President Biden has made up his mind and it is not a new position that he took. He has been against deployment of U.S. troops in wars that he considers unnecessary for a very long time. Uh, when he was vice president in the Obama administration, he was against the surge of troops when Obama sent uh, 100,000 extra troops. Um, so he has been against this for a very long time. Even during the Vietnam War, uh, he was a senator at that time in 1975. Uh, he was against uh, greater involvement in Vietnam War. So it is not a surprise if you know Biden's history. Um, and he didn't get swayed by anyone. Uh, the Department of Defense and the Army generals were arguing with him even this time that let's maintain uh, 2,500 troops in Kabul and uh, let's you know, maintain the status quo. But he is so clear in his head about this aspect that he didn't, um, his mind was made up before he became president. Dr. Loffelman also points out that the U.S. narrative about this war had already been changing before Biden. And as he asserted in the recent address, Biden was always opposed to nation building in Afghanistan. When Obama announced the surge of U.S. troops into Afghanistan, um, sort of ramping up a counterinsurgency strategy, already then in, two, in December 2009, when he announced those additional troops, he said that from 2011 onwards, those troops would already start to leave the country. So, you know, uh, as Robert Gates, the Secretary of Defense, and the first Secretary of Defense uh, under Obama wrote, already back then in 2009, Obama switched from victory to a strategy of good enough for Afghanistan, right? So the, the, the United States has been starting to wind up this war to withdraw its troops um, for, for a decade more. The negotiations with the Taliban under Trump about you know, a political outcome of this conflict have been going on since 2018, 2019. So, and when we talk about President Biden himself, already as vice president under Obama, he was opposed to counterinsurgency. He wanted a very limited counterterrorism operation in the country, you know, air force, like drones in particular, special forces, but he always, was opposed to this idea of nation building. He basically said it was neither a core strategic national interest of the United States, nor was it ultimately achievable. And this was in basically a 
waste of both military and financial resources and the human cost of the United States was ultimately too high. And I think, you know, the presidential address that Biden just gave about withdrawal from Afghanistan and the situation there completely reiterated these points. The empathy that Biden has shown in his political campaign towards people over the COVID crisis and attacks on human rights that took place in the Trump era did really work in his favor in the election. But with the unraveling of what's happening in Afghanistan, many people are also feeling disillusioned with America's pledge to be the defender of democracy. Does this stand to tarnish Biden and America's commitment to fight terror and stand for democracy? Can the Afghan crisis undermine the U.S.'s position internationally? Dr. Loffelman says that although this is a reputational blow, it may not necessarily put into question America's security guarantees. But what could be expected in the future is greater military restraint in American foreign policy. I mean, this this is a historic defeat. And I think there's just no two ways about it. I mean, this is the, the, the most severe defeat of the United States since Vietnam in 1975. And in particular, after like a two decade long military engagement, uh, in, in this country where it looks like basically everything the United States and the international community and NATO have achieved there are basically being undone by um, the Taliban victory. But I would be careful about Jake's that you can find very prevalent at the moment in US media, you know, some think tanks or some political scientists that saying, this is the end of American credibility in the international system. Nobody in Taiwan or Ukraine or elsewhere or Japan will ever take American security guarantees seriously anymore. I don't think that is the case. You know, back in the day, South Vietnam wasn't West Germany, just as Afghanistan isn't Taiwan or, or Japan. So even this humiliating defeat that the United States suffered in Vietnam did not mean that European allies were questioning the validity um, or the efficacy of American military power and the validity of those security guarantees against the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact. So I think this is a reputational blow, but I think we should also not confuse peripheral wars of choice, which Afghanistan ultimately was as Iraq, with core strategic interests and core national interests of the United States, right? such as it sees uh, in its continued role as a liberal hegemon in the defense of Western Europe and East Asia and those core and those core strategic regions. But I think what we will see, and this is a development that has begun under Obama, has continued with Trump, is greater military restraint in US foreign policy. Um, again, you know, Robert Gates also already said, um, I think, again, in 2012, if there's ever um, an American president who suggests to send another American large land army into, into Asia, he should have its head examined. So I think the, the age of large-scale Western-led military interventions for the purposes of social engineering and political transformation are over. Um, and those images out of Kabul are, I think, the final nail in the coffin of that strategy. But now with the deed done, irrespective of all the backlashes, going forward, what can Biden and his government do to restore political faith? Ms. Sirohi Vezin. That's a good question. Uh, they will probably keep, uh, you know, they will give more refuge to more Afghans for starters. That's the first thing they ought to do and they are trying to do uh, to evacuate as many Afghans who are in danger because anyone who worked for the previous government or helped US troops uh, or the US military in any way is in mortal danger. 
uh, even India is trying to help Afghans to leave. So that's the first thing. If they give shelter to a uh, you know, good number of Afghan nationals, uh, that will be a positive. But I think the restoration of faith will take time and will depend on how robust his foreign policy is in other areas, in, in Asia, in Europe, and what exactly he achieves in that. Um, you know, so far he's had summits uh, of the Quad. Um, there, are, there are plans to have the Quad summit in person later in the year. Uh, so we, we will see what comes out of it and uh, how much effort and energy the United States puts in it. Now, the Taliban too held their first press conference after seizing Kabul, where they expressed their desires to establish peaceful relations with other countries. Previously, they also declared an amnesty across Afghanistan and urged women to join its government. But what do Afghan women have to say about the political developments of the country? Do tune in to tomorrow's episode of The Big Story, where we'll bring you voices of women from Ground Zero. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts. 